You're listening to the Trace Church Rock Rimmon podcast. Oh man, happy Easter! Happy Easter! I don't know what that, that video did for you or what that song did for you, but man, this last year, it's been a year, amen? It has been a year and all the things that we have experienced, all the things that we have gone through. I was just watching some of that, thinking about the constant maneuvering we were even doing as a church as we're trying to navigate through a pandemic and how God was faithful through all of that, which is why we show up here on Easter Sunday, because regardless of how fragile our world is, we, sh- we worship an unshakable God. Amen. Amen. Hey, let me do this. I'm going to pray for us really quick, and then I'm going to jump into my sermon. I feel really, really passionate about what I'm going to share with you today. But before we get there, let's just take a moment. Let's pray together. Father, today we gather. We gather because we know that thousands of miles away from us right now, there is an empty tomb. And because there's an empty tomb, we know that you're in this room. God, we gather today because we believe in a risen Jesus. And because he is risen, God, we know that we can have new life. God, we can have new life in him. And so, God, I don't know every single story. I can't possibly know every single story that has walked in the doors of this church today. But, God, you do. And so, Father, would you meet us where we're at? God, we love you, and we pray this in Jesus' name. And everybody said? Amen. Amen. Well, my name's Aaron. I'm one of the pastors here, and I'm incredibly grateful to have each and every one of you truly in this room with us. I also want to say welcome to those of you that are watching online today. Thanks for joining the conversation via the internet, but also want to extend a special welcome to our guests today. Thanks for uh, joining us. Thanks for accepting the invitation and coming our direction. And here's, here's how I want to begin. Um, for those of you, some of you know me a little bit better than others, and you know that I'm really big on leadership. I even believe that discipleship in the context of, or I'm sorry, leadership in the context of faith is what discipleship is. And so when we learn to become better leaders in the context of faith and we're becoming more like Jesus, I think that's the best definition of discipleship. And so I spend a lot of time when it comes to like leadership development for me personally, but also those that I get the opportunity to lead. And one of the things that I've learned to do over the course of the years in trying to to locate like good leaders, great leaders, is I've started to pay attention to the kind of questions that they ask. Now, I'm not so much interested in their opinions because any of us can offer an opinion at any given moment. Anybody can offer an opinion. It doesn't, doesn't do a whole lot to just say what you feel. But when you learn to ask good questions, I've learned that that is what it takes to be a great leader, which is why it shouldn't surprise you that Jesus asked over 300 questions throughout the Gospels. And one of the things that I feel like Jesus has been impressing upon me here recently is for me to ask myself a certain question. It's a question that I would encourage you to ask yourself. It's a pretty simple question. It goes like this. What was or is my motivation for doing that? And that could be anything. It's like before I do something or after I've done something, what was my motivation for doing that? What was my motivation motivation for saying that? Were my motivations pure? Were my motivations healthy? And so maybe you find yourself at work one day and you kind of posture up on somebody at work and Man, I think you should ask yourself, like, what was my motivation for doing that? Did I want to prove to them that I'm tough? Did I want to prove to them that, hey, you can't speak over me? You can't, you can't be the boss of me? And so you kind of posture up on somebody. What was your motivation for doing that? Maybe for you, you get in an argument with your spouse. Maybe it's a boyfriend or girlfriend. And, and you choose your words carefully, but you've chosen them in such a way that you know they're going to do a little bit more damage. What was your motivation? What was your motivation for doing it? And doing it 
that way. Maybe you find yourself at times being around a certain group of people or a certain person that you would like to impress, and you find yourself not telling the full truth because if you told the full truth, maybe it would make you look a little bit lesser than in their eyes. Maybe it would make you look less competent than you want to look. What was your motivation behind why you said that or why you did that? Maybe you wait in line for 45 minutes to get an In-N-Out cheeseburger. What in the world was your motivation for a mediocre cheeseburger? (laughs) I think a fair question today that I get to ask you is what is your motivation to be here? Like truly, honestly, if you were to honestly answer that question, what is your motivation to be here? I think some of you would say, you know what? (laughs) I really don't want to be here. But my mama wanted me to come, and I don't want to upset mama on Easter Sunday. And so I'm here with my mama. But truly, honestly, I think maybe some of you would say, you know what, I, I really don't want to be here. You felt obligated to accept an invitation, felt obligated because it's a family tradition, maybe. And maybe when you come into places like this, you kind of look around and say, like, I don't know if I trust places like this and people like me. And I want to let you know that I know you're here. I want to let you know that I know there are people here that are full of doubts. And throughout this morning, you're probably going to have an internal dialogue and an internal debate with even some of the things that I've said. And I want to let you know first that I know you're here. And I also want to let you know that I'm glad you're here. Because even if you don't want to be here, I think God could still do something powerful in and through your life. I really do. Maybe others would answer that question. Hey, what is my motivation for being here? You would say, you know what? I feel like that I need to be here because... I might not be committed in my faith. I mean, I don't think you could say that you've been committed to Jesus, but you want to stay connected to him. And the reason you want to stay connected to him is because you fear what would happen if you don't. And so maybe you show up on Christmas and Easter. We call you Creasters, which is fine. I want to let you know that I know you're here too. And I'm glad you're here. Still others would say, I'm here today because I desperately need some hope in my life right now. And I want to let you know that I desperately hope that you find it. But let me be clear, you're not going to find it in a preacher. But you will find it in the person of Jesus. Which is why our greatest motivation as a church, our greatest motivation of why we even started this church, our greatest motivation of why we do what we do each and every week is because we want to remove obstacles so that you can get to Jesus. Because we know if we can get you to Jesus through the resurrection power of Jesus that he can not only bring hope into your life, but he can breed hope into your life. Which is why the majority of us showed up today. That was our motivation because we believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. Can I get an amen this morning? We're not here because we're flippantly following a fairy tale that makes us feel good. We're not here because we're blindly believing something that our parents told us to believe when we were younger. No, we are here because we believe in the resurrection power of Jesus. We believe what the Apostle Paul said in 1 Corinthians 15 when he said, Christ died for our sins, just as the Scripture said. He was buried and he was raised from the dead on the third day, just as the Scripture said. He was seen by Peter and then the twelve. After that, he was seen by more than 500 of his followers at one time, most of whom are still alive, though some have died. That's a a point worth noting because the reason Paul even said that, it's like, hey, he appeared to 500 people and some of them are still alive. In other words, if you're a skeptic, go ask these guys for yourself. Go hear the eyewitness testimony for yourself. 
And then another apologetic comes right after that. He says, then he was seen by James, which is his brother, Jesus' brother, and later by the apostles. Now, what you need to know about James is that he didn't believe that his brother was the Messiah. You'll read this in the Gospel of John. And so what would it take for you to believe that your brother was the Messiah? For James, it was seeing his dead brother alive again. You see, today we arrived here, most of us, arrived here because we are full of faith and we believe that because there's an empty tomb that God is actually in this room. Watch, Romans 8, 11, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead, he lives in you. And just as God raised Christ Jesus from the dead, he will give life to your mortal bodies by the same spirit living within you. Guys, the irony of our faith is that because of the death of Jesus, the life of Jesus now is in us. Can I say it again? The irony of our faith is that because of the death and resurrection of Jesus, the life of Jesus is now in us. That's called resurrection power. But let me just take a moment and have some transparency with you. We value that here. Because I didn't always believe that. I didn't always buy into all of this. And so if you're in here today and you don't necessarily buy into all of it, or maybe you're watching online, you, I don't know if I buy into all of this. I've been there. I really have. <laughs> I mean, when I was in college, I majored in partying and minored in beer pong. Anybody else? Yeah. And I'll be honest with you. Like, I was jacked up. I was jacked up. I remember going to spring break one year down in Panama City Beach, and I funneled so many beers that... I ended up passing out for about 24 hours only to wake up and puke blood in the bathroom. Some people wear those things as a badge of honor. I see it as the depth of my brokenness. And I remember <laughs> sitting in a jail cell with my second DUI. I mean, before I, let me say this to you really quick. Before I graduated college, I had two DUIs, possession of marijuana, drug paraphernalia, concealed deadly weapon, attempt to elude an officer, possession of alcohol as a minor, and trespassing. I was jacked up. I was jacked up. I needed Jesus more than I ever thought I possibly could have in that moment. And as I was sitting in that jail cell that night, I don't know how else to explain this to you other than my life was changed. Do I believe in the resurrection power of Jesus? You better believe I do because I've experienced it. I don't know how, how else to tell you other than I, I went into that jail cell one night and I came out a couple days later a different person because I begged God, God, I know that the path that I'm going down is not the path and the purpose that you have for me. And so God, if you'll meet me in the midst of my pain and my brokenness, I'm ready to make some changes in my life. And he did. <laughs> I'll be the first to admit I'm not that person that's going to tell you wild and crazy stories of like Jesus raising somebody from the grave. I haven't seen these huge miracles unfold in my life, but I can tell you about the time that God used me to save a young girl's life. I remember going to a conference. It was a youth conference, and I was going there as a speaker, and I went and I shared some of my testimony and how I was jacked up until I met Jesus. And I was sharing some of my testimony, and afterwards I did what they call an altar call and invited people, invited the kids to come forward, these students, high school students, to come forward and, and to confess Jesus as the leader and Lord of their life. And many of them did. Some came down just to confess sin, and I prayed with so many students. And a couple months later, I was working in a health club at the time as a fitness professional, and I get a phone call at work. 
And on the other end is this gal, and she said, hey, Aaron, I found out where you worked, and so I called because I want to talk to you. I was a student at that conference where you were speaking at, and I didn't know who else to call, but I'm getting ready to take my life. I'm getting ready to end my life. And I'm at work, and I'm just trying to process all of this quickly, and I kind of immediately start praying, God, give me the words. And so I start processing what's going on in her life with her, and I didn't, I didn't know her. I, I'm, she said that I prayed with her, and I maybe vaguely remembered who she was. And so I'm talking with her through all of these things and, and these obstacles in her mind of what it looks like to end her life and why she shouldn't do that and how there's still hope. There's still hope in Jesus. There's always hope in Jesus. And then she gets to a point, point. she says, after I kind of feel like we were getting somewhere, and she said, I don't even know why I'm talking to you about this. You probably don't even know my name. And I didn't. And in that moment, I said, God, could you give me this young girl's name? Because I know it's going to mean something incredibly benefit. It's going to be incredibly beneficial. It's going to be something that's going to be substantial for her to make a healthy move coming after this conversation on the phone and I didn't hear a voice audibly. I didn't hear anything like that. But there was a name that came to mind. And I said, of course I know your name. It's, and I'm here to tell you today that that was the girl's name. I still couldn't tell you what it was. And it did something in her spirit. The reason I share that story with you is because today somebody in here may not even know or recognize or understand that because of your brokenness and because of your past and how jacked up you've been, that God knows your name. He knows you by name and he's calling you by name. And if you'll simply just turn around and move in his direct direction, regardless of how jacked up you are right now, that he's ready to embrace you. I could tell you about the time where I was driving home. I'd gone to visit my mom. I was in college still, and I, I was about two hours away from where my college was, visiting my mom, and I'm driving back on the interstates about one in the morning, and I'm exhausted. And... I completely fell asleep at the wheel and I was in a Jeep Wrangler and it was heading off of the road and all of a sudden my Jeep started to stutter and the engine started to just you know, act like it was failing so much so that it rattled. It shook my Jeep violently to the point that I woke up right before I went into some huge trees. My Jeep had never done that before. It had never had the engine start to stutter that badly and start to fail and it never did it again. Why do I share that with you today? It's because maybe somebody in here today needs to be shaken. Maybe today the resurrection power of Jesus wants to shake you violently and wake you up because you're making some decisions. You're drifting away from God and you're headed to something that's dangerous. You're headed to something that could have some irreversible damage that could, should, that could potentially come into your life. And today, maybe the resurrection power of Jesus wants to shake you violently, to wake you up so that you could come to your senses and so you could come back home to your Father who loves you. He's not inviting you. He's not inviting you to come and just follow a list of rules. He's inviting you into a real relationship because of the resurrection power of Jesus. Because Jesus overcame the grave and he defeated death, you can have a real relationship with your Heavenly Father. But still... There are people in here that are going to be incredibly skeptical. There are people watching online that are going to have your skepticism that you maybe aren't even spending any time to try to deal with or try to allow your decisions, or not decisions, allow your doubts to be put on the table so they can be wrestled with. You're just kind of sitting and living in your skepticism. And so I want to give you your moment. 
If you're possibly a skeptic in here today, I want to give you your moment, because even the Apostle Paul gave skeptics their moment. He said, and if Christ, if Christ has not been raised, then our preaching is useless. Another translation says that there's no power in our preaching, and your faith is useless. And if there's no resurrection of the dead, then Christ has not been raised. And if Christ has not been raised, then your faith is useless, and you are still guilty of your sins. In that case, all of you who have died believing in Christ are lost. This is so sad. And if our hope is in Christ, sorry, let me say that again. And if our hope in Christ is only for this life, we are more to be pitied than anyone in the world. But, Paul says, and this is a big but. How many of you guys like big but? Don't answer that. It's Easter Sunday. A little Sir Mix-a-Lot reference there. Keep moving. But in fact, another translation says, but the truth, but the truth is that Christ has been raised from the dead. Anybody got an amen for me this morning? He is the first of a great harvest of all who have died. Friends, this means that God can bring transformational change into your life, but he cannot do that if you don't give him a chance. Without giving God a chance, he can never bring the change into your life that I have personally experienced. And listen, if you give him a chance, he can also break some chains in your life. You see, real life change Real life change will only come into your life when you finally learn to let it go. Real life change only comes when you finally learn to release it over to God. The Bible calls this surrendering. And God is not asking you to do anything that he wasn't willing to do himself. Think about it. Jesus fully surrendered his life for you. He didn't resist the Jewish mob who came after him. He didn't fight the Roman soldiers as they beat and flogged him nearly to death. He didn't call for a legion of angels when they drove nails through his wrists and ankles and they crucified him. And he didn't change his mind even though that he knew that all of his friends and all of his followers were going to abandon him when they brought his lifeless body off of that cross. Don't miss it. He fully surrendered. And he stayed the course. He surrendered and he stayed the course. What is God asking you to do today? Because I think there's something in here for all of us. Is God asking you to surrender your life over to him for the first time you've been resisting, you've been holding back? Is that the move that he wants you to make today to fully surrender your life over to him? Or maybe for you it's staying the course because you know you've been drifting. You know that maybe you've done some things so that you can stay connected to Jesus, but you know overall you're not committed to Jesus. Is God calling you to surrender today or is God calling you to stay the course? And listen, I get it. Again, I want, to, I want you to know that I know you're here because I know some of you right now would say, but here, my life is a wreck. My life is a wreck. And if that's you, I want to say welcome to Trace. This is a place where you can stop pretending. It's a messy church full of messy, broken people like me who believe in the promises of God. And one of the greatest promises 
that I think God ever gave us was through the Apostle Paul in Romans chapter 8, verse 28, when he said, And we know that in all things God works for good for those who love him. That in all things God works for good for those who love him. Watch, watch what this means. In other words, God can even take your greatest source of pain and he can give it purpose. That's the story of the resurrection. Think about it. God was taking his greatest source of pain, watching his one and only son not just die, but go through a Roman crucifixion, the greatest source of torture known to mankind at this time. God took his greatest source of pain to bring about the greatest purpose in and through this world that you can have life in Christ if you'll just fully surrender to him. And so to help this to to stick today, I want to do something, and this is how I'm going to close. If God will use all things for good, if we love him and trust him according to his purpose, if he'll work all things for good, then I want you to leave today remembering this. And so here's what we're going to do. I'm going to need some help. If you're in these two sections over here, ready? You guys are all things. Let's practice when I point to you. Ready? Okay, you guys are God works. There's small groups. So you guys got to be super loud right here in the middle. Ready? God works for good. Okay, look, ready? One more time. Now watch. Because we like that. It sounds good. It's easy on the ears. But then our life gets flipped upside down. You made some really big mistakes. The story that your life is telling is not a story that you want to tell. And so we wonder, is that still true for me? And so maybe your life starts to get flipped all out of whack and is that, are these promises still good for me, God? Is this still possible for me even because of what I know is happening in my life and the depths of brokenness that I know that I'm living? And God never changes, but maybe his approach does. So let's try it this way. Ready? Let me try it again. Your life may have changed. Your circumstances may have changed. The amount of mistakes that somebody could find in your closet right now might have increased. But God has never changed his approach of you. That no matter how your story reads up until today, if you will turn around and fully surrender and stay the course, the resurrection power of Jesus will be with you and in you. Let me pray for us. Father, I pray that you would work a miracle today. Father, I pray that you would allow your spirit to move powerfully in and through this room. And even those that came in here today out of obligation, that you would remove that obstacle, whatever obstacle that they're putting in front of you, because I know that you have the power to change their life, but they have to give you a chance. So God, I pray that you would do what only you can do on this Easter Sunday as we're being reminded of resurrection power, that there is an empty grave. And because there's an empty grave and Jesus defeated death, we can walk in new life with him. And so God, would you do what only you can do? I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. But very early on Sunday morning, The women went to the tomb 
taking the spices that they had prepared. They found that the stone had been rolled away from the entrance, so they went in. But they didn't find the body of the Lord Jesus. As they stood puzzled, two men suddenly appeared to them, clothed in dazzling robes. The women were terrified and bowed with their faces to the ground. Then the men asked, Why are you looking among the dead for someone who is alive? He isn't here. He is risen from the dead. When I say he is risen, you say he is risen indeed. He is risen. risen We want to give you a moment right now. We call this a thin space. We do this every week, and it's a time for us to celebrate what Christ did for us on the cross. But remember, the cross by itself would have just been a dead leader. But we don't follow a dead leader. We follow a resurrected Lord. Because on Sunday, he rose from the grave. And so today, around the room, we've got a couple stations in the back, and everywhere where you see a cross, there's going to be a communion station with a little cup, and in that cup, there's a wafer that represents the body of Christ, and in that cup is some juice that represents his blood. And if you're a follower of Jesus, if you've made a choice in your life to surrender your life over to him, this is something that we do as followers of Jesus. If you've not yet made that decision today, then I would encourage you to sit in your seat or if you want to go back and write a prayer request at one of our prayer tables or just reflect on what's being said. But if you are ready to make that decision today and you are ready to surrender your life to Jesus, there's a card in the seat back pocket in front of you. I want to encourage you to fill that out, and then before you leave today, come and either drop it off with me or drop it off at Next Steps, because we want to reach out and have a conversation with you. Or if you want to talk today, we'll talk with you today. We, will want, we want to give you that opportunity. There's no better or bigger decision you will ever make in your life than to surrender your life to Jesus. And so I'm going to pray for us, and then I'm going to encourage you to respond, and then the worship team is going to lead us through one more song, and we got something cool that's going to happen, but I'll tell you about that here in just a moment. Let me pray, and then you can respond. Father, thank you again for this morning. God, as we now come back to the cross, I pray that you would remind us of what your son was willing to go through on our behalf. God, you're not asking us anything to do that you weren't willing to do yourself, to fully surrender. And you were willing to stay the course no matter how how messy it got. And so, Father, would you allow this moment to be something that would remind us that we need to stay the course. God, we love you. Thank you for Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. Feel free to respond.